building a company from nothing is freaking hard. Us entrepreneurs are expected to deal with unimaginable challenges and somehow keep a cool head through it all. This is The Art of Entrepreneurship, and I'm your host, Jackie Hermes. I grew my company, Excelity, from zero to seven figures with no partners and no funding. The Art of Entrepreneurship is a show where we cut through the BS and dig into what it actually takes to start and grow a company. If you give me your time, I promise it won't be wasted. Now let's get to work. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Entrepreneurship. Today's topic is probably timely for a lot of you listening because it's related to our everyday lives and what we're experiencing right now. But the the entire work world has recently changed. There's so much that has happened that has completely disrupted companies and the way that they operate, including, I mean, and COVID was a big part of this, right? And companies just severely struggled to react. I think that a lot of businesses lack of appropriate structure, lack of guidance around remote work and around dealing with mental health has really come back to bite them in the last few years. And the companies that have been able to change quickly are the ones that are surviving and thriving. And today, Brant Cooper is joining me. He is the author of The Lean Entrepreneur, and he just released a book at the end of last year called Disruption Proof, Perfect Timing, where he talks about how to make your business disruption proof and how to adapt to this new normal. This is not only a good playbook for those companies that are trying to adapt, but for those of you that are thinking about starting new companies, there's a lot about what to consider within this episode. So thank you so much, Brant, for joining me today. Happy to be here, Jackie. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I was checking out your book, Disruption Proof, and I really, I love the topic and I think it is especially timely, which makes sense since you just recently put the book out because you're talking about the big changes that have been happening within companies in the last few years and companies have just been kind of getting dragged along, right? Um, There were more progressive companies that were making changes pre-COVID and then suddenly COVID happened and the entire business world changed. Talk to me about what you're seeing as far as the structural changes happening within organizations. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, it's no coincidence that the companies that fared best during COVID tended to be digital companies. And so there's a big clue right there. Digital companies tend to maintain their entrepreneurial spirit. They tend to be more agile, tend to be team focused rather than individual focused, Mm -hmm. tend to understand that you have to continue to explore to try to figure out where there's uncertainty and then to tackle the uncertainty as opposed to sort of this old school way of simply managing execution, doing everything the way we did it yesterday. And so the pandemic rolls on, but not only the pandemic, but energy grid and supply chain and ransomware, these things that disrupt our daily business Mm-hmm. just creates so much uncertainty. And so those companies that have built in a way to deal with uncertainty in the everyday job are the ones that are going to thrive more. So I think that we're seeing a lot of trends towards team dynamics as opposed to individual dynamics. Like how do we manage teams and can we put people who aren't normally on teams, can we form a team anyway so that there's a a social structure there that holds people accountable to the work and that they're all on a a mission to go accomplish something that actually drives near-term impact for the business. 
So I think that we're seeing a lot of team dynamics there. And it makes, to me, it makes total sense, especially boy, you throw in the mix of remote work. Uh, you know, everybody's saying everybody wants remote work, but there's also a social structure there that people are missing, not being around fellow employees. And so even if they're remote or if they decide to get together ad hoc at a local co-working, that's really super positive. And I think that we need to encourage that sort of behavior and that team dynamic that allows people to get the mentoring and the advising and the social structure that they need um, from what where they spend most of their day, right? So Yeah. It's so the remote work topic is fascinating to me. Like we we gutted and opened a new office right before COVID. And then, I mean, now our lease is actually ending next month because we never went back and people didn't mm. really want to go back, at least not on a regular and required basis. Right. And anytime we do see each other in person, we're like, wow, that was so great. And I kind of miss this interaction. But then there's pitfalls too, right? Because you sometimes can get less done in the office, especially when you're only seeing each other once in a while, right? Because there's that social aspect. How would you recommend for remote companies that they build some of that like mentorship and social structure into their day-to-day? -day? Yeah, so it's a great question. I, I've been wrestling this with myself. My company has always been distributed, you know, with re remote workers. And we used to try all sorts of things like on video Fridays. So if you were just working, you would just turn on your, your video and it wasn't to have a meeting. It was just people doing their work with their video on. Mm -hmm. And uh, what was interesting about that is that you got people that would have those serendipitous type collisions, like instead of writing an email or a Slack and waiting for a response from another day, they could actually ask a question right then and there and maybe get the answer. And so there was some efficiency things there, but it was also difficult to keep that going. We also tried what we called a jam fund. And so this was if uh, two or more people decided that they really needed to get together and they would really be able to jam on some topic uh, better, in, you know, maybe there's brainstorming involved or something like that, that we would have a fund where people could jump into that fund and get an airfare ticket and fly to another city so that they could actually have that time together. Yeah. Um, but in the end, people didn't really they didn't really jump all over that. Everybody loved the idea, but in the end people didn't do it because it travel like that takes planning and they've got their families and all the rest. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a, I think it's a big issue. I think people will figure it out if they're allowed to, to figure it out. But you, you mentioned, you know, these policies that are just so rigid, even if they're hybrid, you know, and they think that they're being really super progressive, they mandate that it's Monday and Friday at home and Tuesday and Thursday in the office. And that, that doesn't solve the problem. And I'm just, I'm actually astounded, Jackie, that like these bosses don't actually talk to their employees and try to develop empathy for their employees so that they can understand what it is that they need and what their issues are and, and you know, caring for children or caring for parents or the need actually for social interaction and mentoring. And if they could just understand the different issues, they would understand the implications of their policies. So I think that I think I was talking to a, another guy the other day who brought up, we, we sort of came to this conclusion that when you're dealing with uncertainty, that uncertainty can be dealt with better in person. Mm -hmm. um, and so like all of the execution stuff, if you've got, you know exactly what you need to do, 
then to be honest, you can do that more efficiently at home in front of your laptop and, and manage your day to getting those things done. And it's really pretty easy to measure the outcomes. So I don't need to keep track of whether my employee is doing the 10 tasks. I can actually just look and see what was accomplished. Mm-hmm. And if they were able to accomplish it in five tasks instead of 10, I'm fine. Great. But if, yeah. but if there's a lot of uncertainty, like, hey, let's develop a, what are some new market adjacencies that we can go after or something like that? where there's brainstorming involved and maybe some experiments to be designed and then roles to be parsed out among the team members about who's going to do what. Sometimes those type of things are best done in person and it really sort of gets the creativity going and people are are interacting and collaborating. And then once you've figured out what the game plan is, everybody can go back into their execution mode. And so I kind of like this idea that if there was any sort of definition about when people should come together and and when they're they're good on their own is maybe this idea around uh the like the the amount of uncertainty that you're tackling in any particular project you know i was just writing some content on a similar topic yesterday which is handling conflict and giving feedback and hard conversations and one of the one of the four tips that i had on the topic is do it in person when you can, because there's so much when you're communicating in like via asynchronous manners, there's so much that's lost in that communication. And it's so much easier to assign negative intent to people when you're reading an email or you're reading a Slack message, right? Versus like having a conversation face to face like this, I can see, you know, your reaction, you know, that we're talking to each other person to person and human to human, right? And I might have to give you hard feedback or, you know, I might have a message that I probably don't even really want to want to deliver, right? And I think there's just, you can really understand each other a lot better when you are in person. And maybe it's even a factor of just training people better to know when to make those decisions, right? And how to have those conversations. I think there's something that's happened during COVID and all of this organizational change is that I think we're seeing that so many organizations are lacking in the soft skills and in helping their people understand how to have hard conversations, you know, even how to effectively get buy-in, run meetings, even decide when a meeting is necessary, um, manage work and life when we're at home all the time that's and even mental health has been a gigantic topic it should have been more you know before but it is it's it's, the spotlight is really on it so much more now yeah totally agree yeah and i mean it's so easy to sit at home and overthink things i do it all the time (laughs) human beings fill in the gaps of knowledge with their own stories and and so if you're not feeling like a great day you could be filling in these stories completely negatively when that wasn't coming your way at all i was talking to this woman who uh just accepted a, a senior marketing role for a new company and she asked her boss this like completely i love this question she basically said uh how do i know when when you're you're upset like when you're when you you're not liking something that's going on and and she just wanted that that social cue right and he said oh you'll know from my body language and and i'm like okay well not great communication well. skills there but also it really kind of speaks to what you're saying though is i mean I, at least he was maybe aware of his whatever his body language issues were 
but you can't pick up on a lot of that stuff on video, right? I mean, there's there we have evolved to pick up on these social cues in person. So I, I think conflict is a great example. And as a matter of fact, there's a lot of uncertainty in the conflict. And so there's, again, there's maybe it, it gets back to that uncertainty thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's uh, I guess the, the epitome of the hierarchical command and control management style of yesteryear is these people during COVID or even maybe after COVID were sending out notices of changes or laying people off via email or something. I mean, that it's just, that's like insanity. I just, it's boggles the mind. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's, uh, it's so nuanced and, and it, you just can't do these blanket policies, but even if you're doing blanket policies, taking the time to develop empathy, to understand what the implications of your policies are, is, is not a bad step. And, you know, we deal with all the time, this idea of developing empathy for customers. And it's even almost a corporate buzzword now, which is crazy design thinking and all the rest and to not apply it internally <laughs> kind of shows that it's a pr- in a pretty immature state uh, for most of the companies. Empathy and being genuine and authenticity. Those are all, they've become buzzwords, which is so, it's so interesting, right? And it's like something that companies are training on when really it's like something that we have to develop and work on within ourselves as leaders and we have to model for our teams and we have to work it into our policies and you know there's Agreed. just so many different layers and I think that for me as a leader modeling is one of the most important things like and even telling people go back to the first question about the structural changes like our business completely changed when when covid happened and it's changed 10 times over the last few years but just telling people like I don't have the rule book for this, right? Right. I've never done this before. And I want to hear from you on what what you want. What feedback do you have? I think it can be really scary, especially for team members to give feedback up, right? And to give feedback across organizations, even to peers, to managers, and et cetera. Yes. And companies need to be working to put those systems in place more so that they can lead from a place of empathy. And leading from a place of empathy involves understanding people first. Yeah, I, I, you know, pre-COVID uh, traveling around the world, I I saw that a lot of very senior leaders were getting training and empathy and there was a lot of great leadership stuff going on. Brene Brown, of course, was uh, maybe leading the way in some ways. But uh, what was interesting to me is the feedback I often got was that, you know, they can get it, they can grok it, they're in their workshops and they can understand it, but they don't know how to apply it to their daily work. Mm-hmm. And of course, what you just said is the key. There's actually places all over that you can apply it to daily work, just in how you're dealing with your own employees and with colleagues. You know, you can practice all of this, understanding them deeply and 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 trying to, trying to develop empathy. Uh, I think people confuse the empathy as if they have to necessarily do something about it and and they don't necessarily have to take an action. It's really in that moment of listening and understanding where people are coming from and in the issues they're facing, you actually don't have to go fix it. And I think people are always, that's sort of what gets them worried is that they have to go and fix something if they learn about it. And if they can fix it, obviously you should, but it's not 
there's not going to be one size fits all. And so it's the first step is just really being able to seek a deeper understanding of the people that you're working with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I am glad that this conversation kind of morphed a little bit than (laughs) than the questions I had written. And I think it's going to be really valuable to people that are just looking for answers on how to run businesses. And like we were talking about before we started recording, there's no playbook for how to, you know, how to create a business in this new world, except, I mean, people are writing them now, including you, which which I appreciate. (laughs) Well, thank you. I mean, I, I guess I think that if there was one actionable tip I would give, it's that think about something in your business where there's, where uncertainty exists. And again, it could be, it could be two teams that aren't aren't working efficiently together. It could be uh, how do we recruit talent and and retain them. It could be how do we open up a new market, right? So anything where there's uncertainty, and then create a team of people that you think can tackle that uncertainty, and then let them go figure out how to do it. But they have to report back to you on a regular cadence. So you're defining a mission for them. And this is a great way for very easily, without a lot of time and without a lot of risk, start practicing and teaching even your team members how to develop empathy for the stakeholders, run experiments to try to figure out what the right solution is, and then to use evidence to cut through biases and assumptions to figure out if there's something that you can positively impact the business. So any entrepreneur, any small business owner can start that today or tomorrow and and just start building that into the culture. I love that. And you know what? That was going to be my last question on what the what's one actionable piece of information that people can take from this conversation. I really appreciate your time today and just opening up, you know, it's a really short really short podcast and the fact that we were able to dig into some deep topics in just 15 minutes was incredible. So, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a, it was a fun discussion and I, I can talk about this all day long, I guess. But, you know, I encourage people to reach out if they've got any questions, brant at brantcooper.com and I'll, I'll respond to all messages and Brant Cooper on all the social media. So so feel free to uh, to reach out and I'll, I'll get back to you. Amazing. For everyone listening, if you got value, one nugget even to, out of this conversation today, I would love for you to share this with just one person, one person that's adjusting their organization to these new times, that's figuring out how to ingrain empathetic leadership and empathetic practices within their business. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you. 